Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, hi there. This is Louis Giannis with WealthNet Investments. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that's been kind of bothering me. So first, I want to just preface this to say that what I'm about to talk about, I'm really coming from a heart of wanting to make things better for people and coming from a heart of wanting to be better myself. So let me back up a little bit. I've been thinking a lot about my career helping people with all different types of styles of life and levels of wealth, all the way to really rich, even CEOs of publicly traded companies to just everyday mom and pop investors. And one of the things that really bothers me is that there's some people that whether they like it or not, somehow they insist on being bad clients. And they do that at their own expense and at their own peril. And I guess I want to talk about some things that I think could help those people who may not know that they're being bad investors and maybe get better at being an investor. So I started the podcast during the, I guess it was the, the pandemic, if you want to call it that. And I needed to communicate with our clients and people that were kind of in our network. And so we just came on and did talked about whatever was on our mind. We talked about what we were thinking about the pandemic, what we were thinking about the economy at that time, and what some of the best practices were to invest. And it really struck me that as we kept doing more and more podcasts, that our podcasts kept being morphed around what people were, were talking about with us. So whatever people were talking about, I, I kind of brought that into the picture and into the fray. And what it made me realize was a lot of new people that we talked with um, are really doing all the things they should not do to be a good investor and really a 101 on how to be a bad client. And I have to make a confession here. I do not love financial planning. Some people might find that to be a shock. I don't necessarily love wealth planning. What I really, really love is finding patterns, looking at what's happening in the economy and in the investment markets, finding trends and capitalizing on those trends. I'll tell you a quick story. So when I was really before I got into college and I was young, my grandfather was really, really nice to me. He let me rent his little house and it was in a really bad part of town, but I had no money and I barely had a job. I had no car. And he's like, I will let you rent. All you have to do is pay for the real estate taxes. You know, you know, he divided that out by 12 months and that's what I paid him so that the real, real estate taxes were paid, which was really awesome and I'm forever grateful to my grandfather for that. But I'm more grateful for it to him for the fact that ser serendipitously, there was a book that was in a box that changed my life. So I w it was after high school and I was really involved with music when I was younger and um, I thought I was gonna you know, play music mostly and, um, but I was really, really fascinated with why certain people were doing well and other people were not doing well and why was there was such a disparity. 
um, that summer I was working construction. So my girlfriend at that time, her brother had a construction construction company and I was working at this construction company. And um, I worked on houses that were like enormous mansions, like big grand entrance way with tile marble tennis courts, all these things. And I was making $5 an hour um, helping out laying marble. And I thought, what what is the difference between what the guy who owns this house and what I'm doing? And I really just got curious and fascinated by the difference because my parents didn't have any education in economics or money or any of that stuff. So anyway, so I'm renting this house for my grandfather and there's this box in the middle of the room. The house is entirely empty and there's a box in the, in the center of one room and it had books in it and on the top was this greenish book. And I'll never forget the graph that was on there. It was the, this graph that had one, two, three, uh, three lines on it. And those lines were kind of the general model for microeconomics. That's the study of economics at the micro level, not the overall economy. I opened up that book, it caught my eye, I started reading it. And all of a sudden, in the book, it was answering the questions that I had and I was curious about. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to go and I'm going to get an economics degree. I stopped everything and I figured out how can I get an economics degree right now? I had no money. I had no scholarship. I was mostly in music. I did not, you know, excel in math, even though I was, I'm good at math. Um, so I actually went back to school and I, I got caught up on all my calculus and all of that stuff and um, went and studied economics. While I was studying economics, I read the Wall Street Journal, Investors Daily and all this stuff like religiously, which I mean, Anybody who knows me knows that I am fascinated and motivated by the economy and economics and markets, um, and I just never get tired of it. So that's what brought me into the business. I got a chartered financial analyst and all these credentials and all that stuff. Credentials, by the way, don't really mean a whole lot. It's really more about what you actually do with it. But anyhow, so I bring up this story because just to make the kind of the uh, point that financial planning had very little to do with my interest in this business. But what happened over time is I realized in working with clients that it was important. And I worked in various capacities in this industry. I've been an analyst. I've been a portfolio manager. I've been a trader. I, I coded algorithmic trading models. I was a computer pro pro programmer doing that. I was a senior portfolio manager for a bank. So I've been in various capacities in this industry. But as I've worked with people, what I realized is they were making a lot of uh, like financial planning mistakes and things with planning that could really improve them. But that's only part of the battle, right? That's only part of the, I don't want to call it a battle, but it's part of the game. It's part of the financial world. But it's not the part of the financial world that I absolutely love. And I'll tell you why. A lot of financial planning has to do with some specific details about a, you know your specific situation. But it also has to do with laws that are that are really brought about by bureaucrats and excessive regulations. And we wind up doing all these things with our personal finances to get around certain laws that were made for some stupid reason or for, you know, to do things. And our government just keeps getting worse and worse at this, just not to get off on a tangent. But keep in mind, you may not know this, but I come from a background of economics and I come from a background of finance where you know, we, I studied under people who their, their uh, kind of gurus were like Milton Friedman. 
So when like when I studied aggregate economic analysis, um, my very profound uh, class for me, it was an upper level class that was very good. You know, I learned a lot about the thinking of Milton Friedman, the thinking of the uh, the the Austrian school of economics and and Mac, uh, Keynesian and all that, but really looking at it from a real holistic standpoint, the whole history of economics and economic thought. And when you've studied economics at that level, many people come to the conclusion, like myself, that much of the problems that we have is related to government. So, and a lot of financial planning is doing that. I mean, you spend half of your time going, oh, what's the current rule for a Roth IRA? Or, you know, is the government gonna change that? Like, like every year it's different. You know, we have the SECURE Act, which just changes how these inheritances work and all that stuff. The reality is, is that is the reality of the world and we must make smart choices on that. That's why I have people that work in my company that f are focusing their attention 100% on that. But when rubber meets the road, what really matters is, are you making money in the, the markets over time? So now I wanna, uh, that's why I, I'm not like in love with financial planning. For me, wealth planning, financial planning, all of that, that is a necessary evil that is that must be done in order for any individual to make smart financial choices. So that's why in my firm, WealthNet, we spend a lot of time in that field. But the area where I excel, and this is something I learned really early on, I've taken a battery of tests of like what you're naturally good at. You might've done that for yourself. You know, what are you really good at? Um, and one of the things I found out is I'm very good at picking up patterns, finding patterns, and putting pieces together, uh, puzzle pieces together and, and finding the trends. And I'm very future oriented, so I tend to see possibilities and probabilities. Which leads me to the first reason why many people who are investors become very bad clients for us and any other firm that is helping them out as wealth advisors. And they wind up hurting themselves. And that is that if you cannot get yourself to think in probabilistic terms, you will never be a good investor. So what is probabilistic terms? Probabilistic terms is being able to say, hey, look, the future is not known, but I can do really well if I use probabilities and if I diversify, don't diversify too much, but I can diversify adequately. And I think in terms of probability. So this is a prime example of probabilistic thinking. You're looking at what you can know and what you do know now about an investment. And you say, based on what I can know and what I do know, I don't know any of it with certainty, but I know some of it with more certainty than others. What is my best guess at what the cash flows can be for this investment, what the, what, how well it can do over time. And what does that mean for value? Like, what is it worth to me as an investor if I wanna earn a certain amount of return? Um, what is my best guess at what the value should be? And then say, okay, when I have a bad scenario, what is it? what does that value look like? How much can this company go down? I was just looking at uh, actually Charles Schwab uh, the other day and I was looking at that analysis, like what, what could happen with that company? Charles Schwab, in my opinion, is a very good quality company. Um, it's down from the high right now. So I'm looking at like, how much downside is there in this company? And that would be worst case scenario. And then what is that like absolutely wild upside? Like if everything goes right for this particular investment, it could be a bond or stock, it could be, you know, any investment. What if everything was absolutely perfect, what would it be worth? Some people call that price to perfection. And a probabilistic thinker would say, I don't know what's what, 
But based on uh, you know a uh, probability of those good case, my best guess and the worst case, it this company's expected value, which would be an average of those based on the probabilities, it's a probabilistic weighted average, if you will, not to get too technical, but what is that expected value? And then I can make a decision based on that. What am I gonna pay for it now versus that expected value? If you can't get yourself to think that way, if all you want is somebody to say, everything is 100% gonna be like this, and this is what a lot of people do, like if you watch on television, a lot of investment uh, people or gurus or pundits, whatever you wanna call it, they'll, they'll be like, you know, it's gonna be this, it's gonna be that, and they're very confident in 100% what they, if you are thinking 100% and that's what you want, you're gonna be disappointed in the investment world, no matter what, because no matter how good you are, and we could use Warren Buffett as an example, even though he's a great investor, he's made some serious mistakes, and he's a great probabilistic thinker. So is Stan Druckenmiller. They have different approaches, right? Wildly different approaches, but they're probabilistic thinkers. So when somebody comes and they say, I want you as the advisor to say with 100% certainty or something very close to 100% that, that it's going to be this, and uh, therefore, you know, uh, and you need to be right 100% of the time, then you're gonna you're gonna be wildly uh, unhappy the year and rest the rest of your life as an investor. But if you can think rationally and get your emotions out of it, which leads me to the second thing, people that change over time too much, based on what's happening right now, they're thinking so much about what they're seeing in the news right now, or they're thinking so much about. Um, you know, what's happening in their life right now that they lose track of probabilistic thinking. They let their emotions get the best of us. And listen, we all have that. Everybody has that. But a bad client for us is somebody who cannot control that. Because no matter what we do, that person is going to be disappointed because they tend to make, or people who are having this problem, and we all have the problem to some degree, right? Uh, but if you let it get the best of you, you're going to wind up doing things at the wrong time because we want to buy low and sell high, right? Well, your emotions are always feeling the worst, obviously, when you're feeling the worst and which is when you should be buying, buying low. Uh, and then when you're feeling really confident and things are doing well, you want to buy and then you're buying high. So uh, getting your emotions in the way, that is the worst client, that is the worst investor. We don't want those clients. So we have a long discussions with people talking to them about your risk profile. And people go, well, why are you talking about risk so much? You know why we're talking about risk? Is because we're going to try to maximize return given what the markets are giving us, the investment world is giving us right now. But we can only, we want to know how much volatility and risk that we want to take, how much downside are we, uh, are we, are we, can we do, and you still feel comfortable that you're not going to change in the middle of the road, in the middle of your journey. Now, there's times when you must change given circumstances and things like that. But what I'm talking about is anytime there's a blip, you want to change. Um, I recently had a phone call, uh, and I suspect that, that some, sometimes this particular investor may have struggled with this. You know, the phone call was, we should be all in treasury bills. And that was like really near the market. And of course, the blame game is the other thing. One of the things I found about investors who... Uh, have a problem with their emotions, that it's, it's easier for them to make, to kind of be a victim and say, oh, the market is, you know, it has nothing to do with it. My decision has nothing to do with it. It's, it's somebody else, uh, you know, and blame other people for their own decisions that are wrong. 
Now we're all gonna we all make wrong decisions, but I mean they make bad decisions repeatedly, and I've seen people do that over and over again, and you know it could really hurt somebody's financial uh, future, and you'll never be a good investor if you can't be a probabilistic thinker, and if you can't understand that we're always going to feel the emotions, but then to somehow get yourself to go back to the probabilistic thinking. So, um, so I told you about how I got into this business. I told you about why financial planning is not my favorite thing to do, but it's a necessary evil that therefore we invest a lot of time, money and resources to give the best planning advice that we can to our clients. But keep but I personally and I'm talking about this YouTube channel, I get more I think I can provide more value by not really talking so much about concepts about planning and things like that, kind of like what I'm talking about right now. But more to be talking about and I want to talk more about what's happening right now and what are some of the patterns that are developing and what are some of the things that that could potentially mean for investment and how you as a probabilistic thinking investor should be thinking about it or could be thinking about it. Um, I believe that that, um, first of all, I enjoy doing it more. And second of all, I believe that the channel, our channel has been too much based on principles and not enough on what's happening right now. I've been advised by people telling me, you know, you need to make your YouTube and your podcast uh, channel to be evergreen, meaning that whatever you talk about, it never goes out of style. It's just always the same. You could always use it. That way, somebody five years from now can see a video you did five years ago right and go wow that was something that i could use right now and there's a lot of value to that and i think i want to continue to do that but i also want to do more for you uh and to talk more about the things that are happening right now more specifically and i know that some people's feathers will be ruffled when we talk about this because let's face it when you invest um Unfortunately, a big part of decision making comes down to public policy, comes down to how that's related to economics, and how that's related to business and regulation. And um, some people have attached and we have all attached way too much political charge, political emotional charge to economics. And um, Many of those linkages are completely false, in my opinion, when you look at them from a logical perspective. And I don't want to get into a bunch of details right now about that. But as I talk more about these things, I hope you as a listener, if you keep listening, and I hope you do, please do please subscribe. Please tell your friends about it. Um, I hope that you understand that what I'm talking about has nothing to do with whether you're a Democrat or Republican. It has to do with you as an investor maybe should be considering or at least from my perspective i'm one investor giving you a perspective i've made some really good moves and i've made some really dumb moves right we all do as investors but i want to talk just as a little sidebar one key thing to think about is that even though we all make you know wrong decisions and good decisions one of the biggest things and i've talked about this over and over again, one of the biggest, most important things is to understand risk management and the concept of asymmetric payoff. So it's important mostly to understand when you're wrong and to cut your losses, because if you can keep those losses truncated and you hold on to your winning ideas, when you are right, you can do very, very well. In fact, some of the most successful systematic trading systems, some of the most successful investors have been right only 20 to 40% of the time.
you don't even have to be 50 50. You know, if you if you're right, if your three your reward risk ratio is greater than three to one, four to one, five to one, uh, you can be wrong a lot of times as long as you're you're cutting your losses, right? So, but the key is is to be a probabilistic thinker and to diversify, but not to over diversify. You have to have some concentration in your ideas in order to realize your returns. So this leads me to another kind of problem that I see with investors where they become bad investors slash bad clients and we don't want you as a client, just being honest. And that has to do with uh, not understanding that you must have some diversification, right? So a lot of times, let's say we've invested and we might own 20 to 40 positions, right? And let's say one of these positions has done wildly successful. It has gone up multiples and multiples of value, right? And uh, other investments have gone down. They haven't gone down a lot, but they're down. If you find yourself saying or wanting to call up your wealth planner or whoever you're working with or you, know, you yourself are doing this and say, hey, I just want to put more, all, more, all my money in this one stock or one investment or because it's gone up, I need more of it. Uh, there is some truth to that, but over the long run, you have to be very careful with, with that because if you, if you over-concentrate, you can have some really, really bad outcomes. So it's important for you to not necessarily abandon all your investments and have no diversification. But on the flip side, it's a balancing act too because you don't want to be in a position where you are um, uh, also so spread out that you, you know, you, you're not getting any benefit at all over the long run. And uh, so having that ability to be able to think that of diversification but not diversification like uh, uh, Peter Lynch used to call it diversification. In other words, you buy so much stuff, you're, you're, you're so spread out that you're worse than you would have been had you kept your better ideas in a smaller pool of, of ideas. If you can't think like that, you're gonna be a bad investor. You're gonna be, wind up being at the very most an average investor, but probably worse than average after, after all the other frictions involved with investing. I wanted to mention to you that you're always gonna be a bad investor if you can't think in terms of cycles and understanding that there's cycles like some people say yes i understand there's cycles but whenever we're in a cycle uh you know if you're changing all the time and you're not thinking rationally you might make bad decisions and there's cycles not only in the economy and in the markets but there's also cycles in styles of investing so you could be a very good investor with a very good process and you might have be out of favor relative to some other style of investing um, over the last year, two, three, four years. And it, it would not be abnormal. I mean, I can think of times when I remember just before the dot com bubble just blew up, everybody was buying certain funds. Uh, I don't know if I could say <clears throat> Janice, <clears throat> Uh, they were buying certain funds and they were just basically saying, you know, that's going up 40, 50% a year. I'm just going to buy that. Uh, and meanwhile, Warren Buffett was down 20, 30, 40%. And people were saying, Hey, listen, I think Warren Buffett has lost his edge. I think he's like, he doesn't get it. You know, times have changed. Well, then what happened was all those dot com bubble stock stocks just blew up, they fell down and Warren Buffett's at new highs, right? So during that period of time when Warren Buffett was out of favor, everybody thought he lost his edge, but he had a good process and he was out of favor for a long period of time. So if you're going to be one of those types of investors that can understand that it's important to understand which 
which um, investment styles have the most robustness that can work over a long period, over the long haul. So, and that's that's actually one of the most important things about investing is to whatever approach that you're taking, you take an approach that has a good probability of being successful over the long run, like valuation, like quality and valuation and technical momentum. Those are all things that have very solid research that work over the long term. You know, like having a trend following, you know, following the trends. I mean, there's some types of investors will be long, short trend following. They do very, very well over the long term, but they could underperform for several years at a time and people will not not feel good. They'll abandon it and then they have an up 50% year the following year. So whatever you do, don't get yourself in a position or if you do get yourself in a position where you're always trying to get on the next bus, but you're always getting on the wrong bus at the wrong time, you'll never be happy as an investor. And we don't want you as a client. And um, uh, it's important for you to, and I hope that if, if you've ever, you know, fallen into these traps, because it's very normal uh, for humans to, and I want to have a little bit of compassion here because I'm not a, I'm not a therapist and I'm, I've been talking a lot with a therapist who's a friend of mine, um, who actually I'm hoping that we'll start doing some work in our company to help people with certain processes as it relates to money. But, um, you know, you have to have a little bit of compassion here. It is part of human nature here to have these emotional responses that can, that makes you want to do the opposite, opposite thing that you should be doing. And human nature is not your friend when it comes to investing. Uh, what is your friend is probabilistic thinking. Um, thinking fast and thinking slow is a great book to read if you haven't read that book already, but thinking more slowly and uh, not being too close to the situation so that you're making emotional decisions, rash decisions. So it's really important that you limit yourself as an investor. And I know we, we want to limit ourselves to who we're going to work with behind the scenes. You know, if you can't seem to understand probabilistic thinking or expected value, best case, work, worst case, diversification versus diversification, if you don't understand that cycles happen in the markets as well as in uh, investment styles, and if you can't get yourself to not be driven by your emotions, then you're never going to be a good investor. And so, uh, you know, financial planning is important. Uh, but remember, that is just the table stakes. So get a good financial plan. If you need one, go to our website, wealthnetinvest.com, wealthnetinvest.com, and then click on the schedule a call button. And we can sit down with you and talk about a plan. But remember, that's just the beginning. It takes a little bit of time and work to get that done. But what's most important is what are you going to do blocking and tackling after that, so that you're adapting and you're keeping your eyes open to your your team that's working for you, your wealth planning team and wealth advisory team is thinking ahead, not thinking behind, which brings up that whole concept of a rearview mirror, right? We don't want to be rearview mirror uh, investors looking at the rearview mirror, what's already happened in the past and making decisions by, by based on that. Um, over the long run, markets are mean reverting uh, and over and they're trend following in the intermediate term. So that, at least that's what the data has shown. Um, so valuation, quality, valuation, what are you paying for things? probabilistic thinking, diversification without diversification, understanding things work in cycles and not letting your emotions get the best of you. That's what's going to lead you and me to be good investors. And um, I want to talk more on this channel and on this podcast about what's happening now. What are some of the trends 
and bringing smart people on that we can have those discussions too because the financial planning thing is a service and not the wealth planning part. It's a service that everybody needs. But ultimately, what we really need is to make sure that our money is growing. And regardless of what happens in this economy, we have to make smart investment choices. So anyhow, I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, it was almost like a therapy session today, uh, talking about this. Um, I hope you're doing well. Hope you like, subscribe, tell your friends about this channel. Look for some interesting, fun things to be talking about. And um, we'll still talk about Ask WealthNet type questions where we're, you know, we're going to take questions from people. It's like you know, people have questions about their, their situation. You can ask a question. By the way, you could go to pathtorealwealth.com, uh, pathtorealwealth.com, and there is a link there where you could actually record a message to ask a question. And we're going to do um, talk about most common questions. And um, that'll help people on the planning side, more evergreen type stuff. But also, we really need to talk about developments as they're happening right now. Uh, you, I don't know if you noticed, uh, we did a, a video or I did a video a while back, re kind of brought back some videos that I had talked about um, that had to do with your own personal economy versus the economy. And I uh, stand behind that. You know, I, I had said that things were going to get weird because, you know, we're coming up on election and there's going to be all sorts of weird stuff going on and people are going to change who they support, don't support and all that. And then we're going to get a lot of noise. So we want to focus in on the signal and try to avoid the noise. Not an easy thing to do, but uh, we'll, you know, I want to talk more about what the, the information flow is, trends and patterns, and hopefully you'll find that valuable as well. That's all for today. Uh, Louis Giannis with WealthNet Investments signing off, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. For the latest episode of The Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoy the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. The information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.